Alive multivitamins and minerals give you all the nutrients you need for a well-nourished life. Made with a blend of 26 fruits and vegetables and suitable for vegetarians. There's a range of targeted solutions for the whole family. Get more out of life with Alive. Available in selected Holland and Barrett stores and online. Food supplements should not be used as a substitute for a varied balanced diet and healthy lifestyle. Hi, I'm Dr. Gemma Newman, your host for the Wellness Edit podcast with Holland and Barrett and author of The Plant Power Doctor coming out in January 2021. In today's episode of our brand new podcast, we're going to be talking about gut health and immunity and how they're inextricably linked. Joining me today for this conversation, we have Eve Kalinik, who is a nutritionist and author of the book Happy Gut, Happy Mind, which came out in August 2020. And we also have Holland and Barrett's nutritionist, Isabel Tarrant. Hello, ladies. It's so good to have you with me today. Hello. Thank you Hi, for having us. You're welcome. I'm really excited to have this conversation. It's something that I'm particularly passionate about as well. And I'd love to actually start off by asking both of you, actually, how you came into this space, how you decided to become nutritionists um, and a bit about your own story. So let's start with uh, Isabel. OK, so I'm a registered nutritionist. I have a master's in the clinical and public health nutrition from UCL in London. And I came into nutrition really from my own personal experience. I had actually suffered with um, severe appendicitis and peritonitis in which I had surgery. And through that, I was obviously on strong antibiotics. And then um, following after I recovered and I was fine, following that, I, did, I started to suffer from IBS. And um, for a couple of years, I struggled with IBS. And I, and I believe that that was partly due to this, the antibiotics I was on, because obviously anti antibiotics help kill and get rid of the negative bacteria but also can strip away the positive bacteria in our gut and we know that gut bacteria is of, is essential for a range of health including digestive health so I suffered from IBS and then through going through the journey of trying to kind of manage my IBS um, and get myself healthy I saw a registered nutritionist um, and I started doing more research into gut health and started implicating gut health techniques such as probiotics, prebiotics, trying to nourish my gut. And eventually I managed to um, kind of recover from IBS. And that's when I just got interested into nutrition and how nutrition can influence our health in a range of different ways, our gut health, our brain health, um, um, inflammation, our skin, everything really. So I looked into studying nutrition and um, I was actually shocked about the the amount of information online which can be misleading and pseudoscience and that isn't evidence-based. So I wanted to make sure that my knowledge was um, evidence-based and based off um, real research and clinical trials. So then I started studying nutrition. Um, like I said, I completed my master's in clinical and public health nutrition. And I've worked in clinic alongside a registered nutritionist. And now I'm working in um, Holland and Barrett head office as a nutritionist. Yeah, that's my story. Wow. And what a story that is. I think it's a really, really interesting when somebody has their own personal experience, which then leads them onto a passion. And you know that then that really can fuel them into um, really trying to understand it in a lot more depth. It must have been a really, really challenging time when you had your own 
health issues and appendicitis. Um, and Eve, what does your story sound like? Well, it's not too dissimilar to Isabel's really. And I think a lot of people that find themselves in nutrition, um, it is born out of their own personal journey in a way. But nutrition was a sort of a second career for me. Um, I worked in the fashion industry for 13 years prior to that, which was anything but healthy and mindful and um, definitely wasn't considerate to your gut health. Um, and to cut a long story short, I just started getting lots of um, bladder infections, which then turned into quite serious kidney infections that were almost on a on an ongoing basis so um i it was it was many years of basically being run down and my immune system had suffered and um again not too dissimilar to isabel but i was given a lot of antibiotics for that to the point where i was being given one prophylactically to stave off an infection and i just i think i just got to a point where i was feeling so tired um and run down and i just kind of um sort of took a step back and I went and saw a lot of different people um, on my journey to well-being, some of which were definitely more of the kind of wacky side of uh, health, I'm not going to lie. Um, and I sort of came full circle and um, decided that I would go and see uh, a nutritionist or a nutritional therapist um, who basically explained to me that I just you know, decimated my gut. And actually that was kind of the reason why I was kept, kept getting the infections, essentially that I'd, my immune system was so battered that I just needed to kind of build that up. So, um, yeah, I would say that gut health found me rather than the other way around. Um, and so from that, I just, it was just, ever, you know, once, I think once you start knowing about the gut, it's like, you can't, it's so fascinating that you're just on this, you know, on a much longer journey and understanding um, and it's an incredibly exciting area of science which is relatively new which is weird in a way um, but I feel like even in the last say five years the, the, the kind of knowledge the general knowledge around gut health has, has grown so exponentially I mean you can even see it in the supermarkets in terms of translating into products and things like that but the, the point being that people are really receptive and open to gut health and my first book came out in 2017 and I definitely can see such a, a big leap forward since that one and the most recent one. Wow that's really interesting I think you're right the awareness of gut health has really exploded and and also the research into it. There are so many different research groups across the world that are really getting into the idea that our microbes and our immune system and our gut are key to so many different parts of our health. And I find it fascinating that you both have said, you know what, um, antibiotics were one of the main contributing factors along with other things that had potentially led to issues with how the gut was functioning. You know, we know that to be true uh, in terms of studies on things like sulfur forming um, bacteria and how they can potentially link to increased risk of infections and so on. Yeah, it's fascinating to hear that that's something that actually led both of you into un trying to understand more about how this can affect our bodies. Um, so, I mean, getting back to Isabel, what do you think is overlooked with gut health and why is it so important now now more than ever? Okay, so gut health um, is so important because the, so we have 10 times the number of microbes in our gut than the whole number of cells in our body we have, which is totals around 100 trillion 
bacteria in our gut, which is two kilograms of bacteria inside us, which is obviously a lot. And this and the, this gut bacteria is actually influenced in literally everything. Everything you can think of, there seems to be a link. So the most the most um, well-known is obviously digestive health, um, things such as IBS and digestive issues. But, but it's the gut is linked to inflammation. It's linked to skin problems. It's known as our second brain and the link between our gut and our brain. We have the vagal nerve, which connects the gut and the brain. And um, gut health is linked to... Um, anxiety, depression, um, there's links with autism, Alzheimer's, cognitive function, our skin, it's linked linked to weight gain. So gut health is actually is linked to a range of a range of health um, conditions, our skin, inflammation, like I said, brain health, everything um, and immunity as we're going to talk about today. And I think it's often overlooked because just because the research is new, it's evolving, um, like you've said more research has been done and it's a very relatively new field so we're only just finding out more about it I think up until recently it's been very much so any germs are bad any bacteria is 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 bad we don't want bacteria but now we're learning about the positive bacteria and the friendly bacteria um, and the actual integral role that it plays in our health and I think in terms of what you said about why it's so important at the moment obviously um, during this pandemic people are looking to the best ways that they can improve their health and kind of help support their immune system and um, gut health is a key way to support your immune system there's a really strong link between your gut your gut bacteria and your um, immune functioning and I think the great thing about the uh, microbiome and gut health is that we can do something about it it's modifiable we can like for example it's not like genetics where you can't really change it it's something that we can look at we can look at diet and lifestyle factors to promote a healthy gut microbiome to support our overall health. Wonderful. And Eve, it would be really fascinating to hear more from you about how how we can actually promote that healthy microbiome. Um, what are your thoughts on, on the best ways for us to do that? Well, I think, um, again, with gut health being quite a, a relatively new um, area in science, I think what's come with it is a lot of misconceptions as well. And people wanting to go from A to Z, like, as in, they want that rather than just taking the kind of the basic steps to gut health, they're starting to kind of ferment like scobies and buy all these expensive supplements. And I'm a bit like, you know, that's all very, you know, some of that does work to a point, but you need, you need to start really with the basics. And I think that a lot of people are maybe not doing those very just, yeah, key things. So the first thing I sort of kind of get clients to look at is really like their, um, the, the, not just the quantity of the fiber in their diet, but more the diversity. So as we know, currently, um, what we, what builds a healthier, stronger microbiome is one that's heterogeneous. So it's very diverse. And the best way you can achieve that is by having different types of fiber in the diet. And I think a lot of us might eat enough, but we are creatures of habit. So we just basically go around having the same vegetables um, day in, day out and not necessarily rotating enough. Um, because fibre is, um, for the listeners that don't know, is um, a, you know it's a, a, a compound found in all plant-based carbohydrates that we as we can't, we don't have the capability to break it down, but it feeds the microbes in our gut. It provides them with a nice hearty meal, and like we have different flavour preferences, so do the microbes, the trillions of microbes in our gut. So it's really important to try and get diversity and. You know, I think it, people go, okay, yes, fine, but how do I actually do that? Like I'm busy and stuff and I don't have time to be like 
making mental notes about what vegetables I have and haven't had. So, you know, I just think that if you can um, do some simple things like, let's just say you have uh, oats or something every morning, like maybe having a couple of other grains in the cupboard. So, um, you can rotate around those. It might be some spelt flakes one day. It might be some um, quinoa flakes. It might be um, oats the other day. So again, you're just having those in the cupboard. It's just easy to access. And then nuts and seeds mixes are great because again, you can get in quite a few different types of fiber in there. Um, and, you know, I mean, I think what's happened in the pandemic in some ways has been quite good because we've had to use foods that we wouldn't normally get used to cooking because that's just what's available and so I know a lot of people have also started getting things like vegetable boxes and buying locally because the supermarkets were inundated but I hope that some of that stuff will for the sake of our gut and our microbes um, that builds a nice sort of diversity without again having to necessarily think about it so I'd say that's one of the the key things that I think a lot of people are not necessarily doing Um, and the other thing is, you know, you can think then about adding in some of the fermented foods, but it doesn't necessarily have to be, um, you know, the most expensive. I mean, my dad's Polish, hence the surname. And so we grew up on sauerkraut. I actually think that's probably what saved my gut longer term. But, you know, his eyes go out on stalks when we go into some of these very expensive, um, you know, stores and, and the sauerkraut is really, you know, it's really pricey. And he's like, well, actually, it's only, you know, cabbage and salt. And so there are some simple things you can do at home, but even things like live yogurts and cheese, traditional cheese, you know, those are fermented foods that maybe have just with a lot of kind of fatty trends of maybe people just sort of discounted, but those are really easy ways that people can just um, get some of those fermented foods in the diet. And the fermented foods contain some of the bacteria that we currently believe to be beneficial for our microbiome. Um, The one thing I would say, and this is just as a caveat, is that if somebody's not eating much fiber or they do have like IBS symptoms, eating lots of different ones and increasing it massively overnight is not going to do you got any favors. Well, certainly you wouldn't be a fan of me after listening to this. So I would say start small, don't go mad, um, but just a little bit of kind of rotating around some of those foods can help. And then my third thing really, and this is not food related, is more about how, how you manage your stress because we know that that's one of the major triggers in IBS and um, the gut-brain connection is one that is incredibly powerful but also bi-directional as well. So we always thought that it was a top-down communication that our brain chats to our gut and, but now we know it's actually those trillions of microbes in various ways and using different types of language, in inverted commas, chat back up to our brain as well so it's really important that we do help to manage our stress which again I you know people probably rolling their eyes a bit but we can't always change the stressors we can't change a global pandemic for instance we can't change there's certain things that happen in life but doing a bit of daily mindfulness I kind of I use the expression like bubble wrapping our mind and it's a bit like when you go to the gym to work out you don't go for one session and then expect to be like super fit and everything like this you go you know cumulative it's a cumulative effect and I think working the mind is a similar way so we can we can build a mind that's better coped to deal with the stressors which then inadvertently um, has that impact positive impact on our gut health. Hmm. 
I think that's a really interesting and full answer. I love what you said about eating a more of a variety of fiber rich foods, adding in fermented foods when you've got that great fiber rich base in your diet, and then also managing the stress. And I also really like that gym analogy. I think you can probably apply that to your consumption of fiber because, like you say, you know, many people if they have a traditional Western diet or they've had lots of courses of antibiotics, suddenly jumping in and eating a load of beans, lentils, chickpeas, uh, quinoa, oats, you know, everything all at once may cause a lot of issues with bloating. So like going to the gym, you start with the lower weights, you gradually work your way up so that you can build the muscle of your gut to be able to tolerate and then benefit from these incredible fiber rich foods. So I, I really enjoy the way that you put that. Do you want to support your good gut bacteria? Give them a helping hand with Nature's Way Fortify Probiotic Gummies, a natural way to support the friendly bacteria that live in your digestive system. Suitable for all the family from age six, these deliciously fruity gummies are sugar-free and suitable for vegans too. Available from selected Holland and Barrett stores and online. Food supplements should not be used as a substitute for a varied balanced diet and healthy lifestyle. Why? I mean, why is fiber so important? This is something that you know we're only really beginning to discover in the last few years. I'd love to talk to you both a bit more about short-chain fatty acids. What are they, and how can we get them? Maybe we could start with Isabel for that one. Okay, so. Firstly, starting with how the immune system is linked to our gut. So 70% of our immune cells are thought to be inside our gut. Um, so it's kind of the epicenter of our immune system. And then in terms of the short-chain fatty acids, as you said, so our, the, the positive microbes um, in our gut, they, they ferment undigestible carbohydrates. So these are the fibers that Eve was talking about. So these fibers are not digested by us, but they pass through our large intestine into our small intestine where they are broken down by the positive microbes and they're fermented. And this these microbes um, produce short-chain fatty acids. So these are a metabolite, which is a compound produced by the microbes. And short-chain fatty acids are three main ones that acetate, butyrate, and proportionate. Um, and these are molecules which can get through the gut barrier into our, um, into our body, into our blood system, and positive effects on our immune functioning. So short-chain fatty acids can regulate um, our T-regulatory cells. So these are key cells in the immune system they're kind of like the peacekeeper cells they help um they help prevent an overactive immune system where where we have overactive immune inflammation against an unharmful bacteria so they promote um regulation of these t regulatory cells um and also macrophages so these are um key immune cells which when we have an inflammatory response for instance if you cut your hand or something um and you start to have an infection these macrophage cells come in to the infection and start the inflammatory response to fight off infection and heal the infection. So our short-chain fatty acids and our, um, can help regulate um, these macrophages and all the immune, immune cells. And short-chain fatty acids also help with producing vitamins. So they break down um, our nutri the nutrients in our body um, into different sources of vitamins. Um, and like I said, they cross the barrier in our gut. So we have all of our bacteria is inside of our um, gut. And then we have an epithelial 
layer which is called the epithelial gut barrier and this helps keep all the harmful bacteria that we don't want in our body away from us in our gut um, and it's semi-permeable so the barrier allows positive metabolites which are produced from our um, gut microbes such as short-chain fatty acids, amino acids and polyamines and um, these metabolites to pass through into our body to help with our immune functioning However, it stops the bad bacteria getting out. The problem is if we have an imbalance in our gut microbiome, so if we have um, more negative bacteria than positive bacteria, um, which is called dysbiosis, an imbalance, then this gut barrier can become permeable. It's known as a leaky gut where the barrier becomes more permeable and things can escape. And this is where the bad bacteria um, and molecules that we don't want can escape um, through the gut barrier into our body and cause inflammation so this is when you have a leaky gut and you can get chronic inflammation which can um, show in a number of symptoms around the body wow so that's a really full explanation so basically short chain fatty acids is not eating fat it's actually a metabolite such as acetate propionate butyrate and these things are actually really soothing to our immune system so when we eat fiber these short-chain fatty acids are produced by good gut bugs, which soothes our immune system and allows our white blood cells or macrophages to protect us against a variety of infections that can cause harm. That's brilliant. Okay. So, I mean, Eve, tell me a bit more about this. What, what do you know of short-chain fatty acids and are there any other ways that they can actually benefit us? Well, yeah, I mean, I think that was a really thorough explanation of what they are. So, um, but I, I think um, another sort of key thing to kind of bear in mind is that the butyrate, which is the one that has had probably the most amount of research around it, is also, um, I, I kind of use this to sort of best explain to clients, it's almost like Mars bars for the epithelial cells, like it feeds them. It's the fuel source that keeps the gut barrier nice and healthy and strong. It's also really key to have sufficient amounts of butyrate to support um, the, the, that integrity. So it doesn't become, you know, we want it semi-permeable, a bit like a, a fine mesh net, but we don't want a net with big holes in it because that's going to just perpetuate this kind of inflammatory loop. Um, and so, yeah, fibre is obviously a good way to help increase the production of those short-chain fatty acids. Um, there are a few foods that are direct sources of butyric acid, um, things like butter, um, as if we didn't need an excuse to put butter on everything because everything tastes better with butter as far as I'm concerned. Um, but there's not, there's not many um, direct food sources of that. So it is important to, in order to cultivate a nice healthy amount of our, um, you know, of, of health, of, short-chain fatty acids being produced it is important to get um you know f sufficient amounts of fiber right so what you're saying is actually the main way you can get it is through fiber rich foods and although butter can contain it directly you don't want to overeat the butter because the saturated fat can also potentially help uh to increase the amount of more negative bacteria in the gut is that right if you have a diet that's high in saturated fat i understand that it can cause some issues with dysbiosis in that sense well i mean we're not sure about that because there's a lot of research um i've um yeah, into like different types of diet and because you look at different communities across the world and some of the healthiest gut microbiomes are in, you know, um, sort of indigenous African tribes and they eat milk and blood. And so I think our microbes are 
a survival of the fittest in a way. They adapt to environments. I mean, they've been around a hell of a longer, longer amount of time than we have, right? So, I mean, I'm not suggesting that people eat tons of butter either for lots of different reasons. I also think that if you eat too much of any food, really, it's not good for you, right? So even the, the healthiest foods, but just, yeah, um, yeah, it, it can provide a bit of that sort of... Um, butyric acid but you know just little bits like you would do and have diversity in all food groups right okay so we're talking about increasing diversity most importantly especially fiber-rich foods um tell me a bit more about like the sort of telltale signs that maybe your gut health isn't the best you we've already talked a bit about IBS, but what does that mean? And and is there anything else that you can see that might indicate that your gut health isn't ideal, Eve? Yeah, so IBS um, is um, an acronym for um, irritable bowel syndrome. So it's a syndrome. So it's a collection of symptoms, essentially, um, when other more, say, pathogenic diseases have been ruled out. Um, and so that can present very differently for, for different people, but typically it's, you know, the bloating, um, gas, irregular stool. Some people are more constipation dominant some people more um diarrhea predominant so it will yeah it can present in um different ways but uh, yeah some people it's, it's interesting actually because a lot of people might go around with lots of gut symptoms and just deem them normal um because that's just how they're used to it so like not going to the toilet for like a week might feel normal to them when um actually you know it is important to have regular but that's a good sign sort of a check-in sign that things are moving through as they kind of should be. So, you know, some of the more obvious gut symptoms would be some of the ones that I've just listed there, you know, also things like cramping and, um, you know, excessive gas and that type of sexy stuff. Um, but yeah, you know, other symptoms related to our gut health, which we've obviously is, is kind of the crux of today's episode is if somebody's getting a lot of recurrent infections, um, I mean, they usually present with some gut symptoms as well. But if you're getting recurrent infections, maybe things are a bit, have gone a bit skew if in the gut, but even things like um, low mood. So that's actually one of the criteria now in IBS. So there's a lot of other non-digestive related symptoms that can sort of suggest that maybe your gut health isn't quite on track. Yeah. And and Isabel, you, you kind of touched upon issues with skin as well earlier. Would you be able to expand a bit on that? Could could skin issues potentially show us that our gut health is not on track? Yeah, so they could show us um, our gut health is not on track. There's a number of different skin issues. Obviously, there is an, it's multifactorial. It, it might not just be your um, your gut, but there there is a link between skin and gut health. For instance, eczema. Um, eczema is actually an immune modulated condition. And as we said, there is a strong link between the gut microbiome and um, our immune system. So when there is dysbiosis in the gut, um, an imbalance, this can show as skin conditions such as eczema, also rosacea. And there have been a couple of studies. The evidence is mixed and it's it's preliminary evidence. So it's in its infancy, it's coming out. But there have been a couple of studies um, which have shown individuals who have ish, skin issues such as eczema, rosacea and acne can have um, a more, a tend to more have an imbalance in the gut bacteria. Um, in terms of other symptoms, just to add on a couple there, the things such as um, bad breath can be a symptom of an imbalance in the gut bacteria. Um, like we said, when the um, when your microbes produce short-chain fatty acids, um, they're producing gas as well, such as hydrogen gas. 
and this can um, manifest in bad breath um so there's a condition called SIBO which is small intestine bacterial overgrowth and this is um when there is an imbalance in the gut bacteria it's quite severe there's an overgrowth of um, negative bacteria in the gut and to test for this they often diagnose this with a breath a breath test testing for hydrogen and lactase in the breath which are produced by the negative bacteria in the gut so bad breath also things such that you wouldn't think about as much such as um, brain fog or difficulty concentrating and things such as anxiety and depression like Eve said um, they can be linked to an imbalance in the gut bacteria some studies have shown that those um, with that there is a link between anxiety and depression and gut health or if you're just experiencing brain fog and difficulty concentrating this can be a sign of problems in your gut obviously it's multifactorial there could be other causes but it can be a sign yeah so yeah you're right i mean there are potentially many reasons for those specific symptoms but what's fascinating is when you put them all together and you have the history uh, of you know perhaps antibiotic use or um like a western style diet with any other stresses that you've mentioned the importance of psychological stress and how that can impact on our gut so it's really important i think for the listeners to get an idea of all these different ways in which it could potentially be linked to their gut health and we've obviously touched upon fiber a few times in this discussion what else could we be eating more or less of um eve touched upon making sure that there was a huge variety as much as we could in the types of vegetables and fruits and whole grains and legumes that we eat is there anything else that we can do to really support our gut health um yeah i think i think a misconception with um supporting gut health and i get and i guess this is born out of um potentially an insidious diet culture is that in order to be healthy you've got to start cutting out food groups when actually it's when you're talking about gut health it's more about what can we add in how can we you know what foods can we include to help support our gut health and so I sort of in my my private practice I kind of have to almost undo a lot of um, misconceptions and labeling around food groups that people have found on say Dr. Goog or certainly not going to some like yourselves. Um, and so I think a lot of it is just, yeah, again, like what can we, how can we enrich our diet with the, you know, with what I was mentioning before in terms of like what foods could we uh, and rotate around? What, what other colors can we bring into our diet? Because the, the good thing, the cliche eating the rainbow is a good thing to have in mind because it does bring in the diversity of fiber, but there's other things in that bring color to the vegetables so things called um polyphenols which are sort of plant chemicals and in the same way that fiber feeds our microbiome so does so do the polyphenols and so again having different types of color in our diet will bring in different types of those phytochemicals which is really important as well so yeah um, that's a key thing i think for people to kind of be mindful around Great. So making sure that you're looking at the colours of the rainbow, uh, and that is a good way of remembering the variety aspect and all the different chemical compounds in plants that could provide different things like the polyphenols, uh, beta carotene, all these different colours that make the, the fruits and the vegetables so beautiful. 
adding in one more wherever you can, one more piece of fruit, one more type of vegetable, um, maybe freezing things as well. So if things are out of season, maybe perhaps ensuring that you've got some stuff in your freezer that you can add into a curry or a stew or any kind of bake or something just so you've got something else that you can add in. Um, yeah. I mean, Isabel, what about you? Have you got any other top tips for people who are hoping to boost their gut health? Top tips. Okay. Well, like I said, uh, like Eva said, I would recommend the polyphenols. And she's like she said, in the darker, darker um, and colourful foods such as berries, blueberries are good sources, purple carrot, um, dark chocolate. Actually, excuse to have dark chocolate. That's very rich in polyphenols. Um, green tea, um, spinach, grapes, all rich in polyphenols, which can help promote the growth of positive bacteria and feed them. In terms of other things, um, the type of fiber, prebiotic fiber. So prebiotics. Um, so this is this is a type of a type of fiber which helps um, feed the positive bacteria in our gut. So examples of these would be things such as um, garlic, chickpeas, legumes, um, lentils, artichokes, onions. These all have a very rich in prebiotic. These prebiotic fibers to help feed this positive bacteria in our gut. And then in terms of eating less of, as you mentioned. Like you've said, it's important to not just cut out food groups and um, be restrictive and cut everything out. But there are some links of certain foods which can be damaging to our gut, um, such as um, alcohol. That's probably, um, a, you could probably guess that can damage um, the microbiome and cause dysbiosis and is linked to the growth of more pathogenic negative bacteria. Other things to avoid um which can be negative for the gut are things such as um, artificial sugars, um, processed foods and emulsifiers. So we find emulsifiers, which are um, artificial chemicals. We find them in a range of um, processed foods. um, And these um, are linked with um, the growth of negative bacteria in our gut and imbalance. Um, There is a a link between um, emulsifier intake and um, risk of things such as IBD and colitis. Um, That's inflammatory bowel disease. Um, So trying to just eat whole foods, like you've said, these are the foods which are going to have the fiber, are going to be beneficial for your gut, have the polyphenols, rather than the processed foods, which are going to have more of the emulsifiers and artificial sweeteners, which are damaging to the gut. Wow. Okay. That's been really useful. So more of the fresh fruits and vegetables, legumes and whole grains, less of the processed foods, processed meats, emulsifiers, artificial sweeteners, uh, fizzy pop drinks, alcohol. I guess you're right, you know, when you drink alcohol, and we used to use alcohol to sterilize surgical equipment. So I suppose it only stands to reason that it's probably not going to be great for the gut microbes inside. Um, And yeah, okay, that does make sense. And other things, I mean, you've also mentioned stress a couple of times. I've read studies to show that being out in nature is really good for our microbial diversity. Breathing in different kind of natural um, environments like, like woodland or maybe by the sea. Uh, being near pets is quite a good way of introducing different microbes into our mini ecosystems because they're obviously sniffing around all different places. Then we get to stroke them and you know <laughs> be exposed to their microbes as well. Even living in urban environments and near air polluted areas is also potentially affecting our own microbial systems. So you know, it, it is obviously mainly focused around food, but I, I love the fact that Eve brought in stress and also just generally discussing all the other ways in which we can benefit our microbes um, 
by um, ensuring we have things like a good night's sleep because my understanding is that our gut microbes have a circadian rhythm as well. So they have a day-night cycle just as we do. So having a regular bedtime and getting good sleep is actually also really good for our gut bugs as well as it is for us. So yeah, all those other things that, that may not be so obvious to consider. And, you know, Isabel mentioned about the role of probiotics. Um, my understanding was that the evidence is still kind of mixed on that. There was there was a study I read about how sometimes probiotics could like sometimes be detrimental um, depending on how, how long they're taken, which ones that, that people are using. What would be some basic good advice for the listener um, about probiotics? You know, should they go for them? Uh, if so, which ones? Um, and what's more important, eating the fibre or taking the probiotics? Yeah, so I think, look, the basis of all supplements, including probiotics, is you can't supplement a bad diet, right? So you have to start with those things first. You have to also check off the mindfulness side that you talked about just now. And sleep is, in my recent book, there's a whole chapter around sleep and, and the gut microbiome because we also know that not only do they work on circadian rhythms, but they also produce some of the neurotransmitters that actually get us to sleep. So it's not very much a partnership there anyway. So you've got to kind of be thinking, if you're not sleeping, you're up until early hours of the morning, your diet is not particularly considered, you're really stressed and stuff, and then you take a probiotic. It's not really fair to probiotic, even if it's the best probiotic, right? So I think you've just got to, you've got to get those basics right. And then I would say, look, it's, it's best to be discerning with this stuff. Um, and not everybody needs a probiotic. I've seen some people have really positive results with a probiotic and other people have feel no effect at all. I think we're in, I mean, when you look at probiotics, most of them are the same similar strands. And when we look at our microbiome, we've got trillions of microbes in there. So how do you know that those are the ones that your, your particular gut needs? Because everybody, everybody's gut is very different. So even in identical twins, it's a bit like a fingerprint. So we're all going to have different needs and our, and also our gut microbiomes do change. You know, it changes from the next meal that you eat really. So, um, I don't, yeah, I don't think that they're a cure-all by any means at all. And I certainly think that when you're buying a probiotic, it's important to do a bit of research, work out why you're taking the probiotic rather than just, you know, knocking back supplements. Um, cause I see that and I'm sure Isabel does and probably you do in your practice as well. Um, people that just, buy read a read a feature buy that supplement buy something else and then sort of lose track of why they're taking what they're taking so it's really important to just kind of yeah hone down why why you're taking it and then do some research you know see if they've got some clinical evidence behind their their, their particular probiotic they should be able, they should be you know showing that on their on their website or you know um within you know, whatever their, their sort of company literature. So I, I, I definitely do a bit of research before you start buying into supplements. Right. That's good advice. And I think that plays out as well in my practice. I, I always say to my patients, look, there's no point taking a long-term probiotic because in that essence, what you're really doing is narrowing down what should be a very diverse microbiome. You know, you want to be able to actually get that really solid foundation of, of fruits and vegetables, whole grains and legumes to broaden your microbial populations rather than taking the same supplement that would just perhaps narrow things down in that respect. Um, yeah, so I mean, there is some data now coming out around the benefits of prebiotics. Um, we know that prebiotic is essentially fibre, but there are 
prebiotic supplements nowadays. Is that something that people should consider in your opinion, Isabel? Okay, so like Eve said, I would would start with the food, start with the basics, um, start with the fiber and look at your diet first. Um, but then from there, you can look at prebiotic, prebiotic supplements. I would look at the evidence, like you've said. Um, we do, there are supplements called symbiotics, which are a mixture of probiotic and prebiotic. So it might be the probiotic live bacteria, such as bif- the multiple different strains, lactobacillus, bifidobacteria, acidophilus. And they also contain prebiotic fibers, um, often different types of fibers, chicory, um, different fiber extracts are contained and this is a symbiotics this contains both um they can be a good place to start um however i the evidence is mixed and the evidence is like i said it's in its infancy it's just coming out so um taking a look see if you can if it's for example if you were thinking oh i want to take a prebiotic and i'm suffering from x y and z have a look see if there are any clinical trials any research which may link prebiotic or probiotic supplements to that condition to see if there is actually evidence there. I think they can be a useful tool, but to start with the basics and then um, you you can add them on. Brilliant. Yeah, you mentioned about trials. I did read a randomised controlled trial uh, of university students where they gave them a prebiotic supplement to potentially hope to reduce gastrointestinal symptoms uh, and the number of days that they had a cold or a flu illness. And they seemed to be effective in that one study. And then there was another study in infants where they were giving them a prebiotic supplement, which reduced the incidence of allergic sort of manifestations and infections in the first year or two of life. But these are individual studies. And it's, as you say, this is very early days, I think. And it's exciting to see where this research is leading. Um, And it's exciting to see where it goes. But uh, what we do know for sure, as you've pointed out, is that dietary fiber is probably the the, the basic key to to all of that um, and boosting those short chain fatty acids. Right. Okay. So Having now focused a lot on diet, uh, other bits of lifestyle information that will be really helpful for our gut bugs, what I'd like to hear more of now is a little bit more about your own personal stories. You've talked about what led you to learn more about nutrition, what led you to learn more about gut health. Eve, can you tell me what benefits you found personally from really focusing on your gut health? What did you notice for you? I think for me, it was just a sense of um, really empowerment in a way that I was able to take ownership of my health. I think that's something that has become strikingly obvious over the last few months is that people have really understood just how important a role good nutrition is as on, on a base base level. And I think that's something we sort of maybe moved away from with the you know ubiquitous apps and whatnot. And I'm not saying there's anything to say wrong in that, but there is something very um cathartic in many regards and also very mindful and a sense of giving back when you're preparing your own food and cooking your own meal so I think that's been interesting and um, yeah so for me it was that real sense of I guess in part I felt kind of a, a bit out of control um reliant on the medications and so I think that was a, a huge leap forward for me and I definitely see that a lot in my practice I mean obviously the the kind of the physical shifts were that I gradually was able to come off the antibiotics and then build my immune system back up so I no longer saw the recurrent infections like I was before. Um, I definitely noticed a shift in my mental well-being and I'm not sure if that was, I'm sure there was some physical shifts in supporting my gut because we know that 
I mean, there's data coming out all the time on the gut-brain connection and some fascinating um, research being done out of um, uh, the sort of in, in Cork with a couple of neuroscientists and um, clinical psychiatrists around this topic of, of probiotics. But um, yeah, I definitely think that uh, where Isabel mentioned things like brain fog, I think that's quite a key or quite a common symptom for people that have gone through quite a lot of antibiotic therapy. So I definitely felt that my mental health did. And I think that's probably a combination of, yeah, taking ownership back in a way and being seeing my body sort of positively transforming. But also I think there was probably a physical shift as well in the in my my, my microbiome, um, better supporting that gut brain connection. Mm, well, that's really lovely to hear. Uh, I think you're right. It's so good to feel empowered in your health. It's so good to feel as though you're doing something to help yourself and also now, you know, through your work to help other people as well. So that's just lovely. Um, and, and, and Isabel, what, what did you notice? Okay, so like I was, I was suffering from my IBS, like I said, and I was in a very um, bad place with it, suffering from pain every night and feeling these symptoms and there's a lack of um it was very relentless and a lack of control and not knowing what to do after seeing multiple doctors it was it's just hard when you're suffering and it's relentless and you're not feeling well it's really it's really hard um and after doing um some research and speaking to a nutritionist um i looked into the role of gut health and it was kind of a sense of a sense of hope of what that, that I might be able to do something about this, something that I didn't realise I might be able to look into. And that gave me some sense of control, like you've said, and empowerment. And as I started putting these practices in, such as um, fibre, probiotics, looking at my gut health, I also looked at um, trying to um, eat mindfully and slowly, um, chew my food to reduce the amount of gas going down to your stomach, um, and then I um, looked at my stress levels because we know stress is related to the microbiome of the gut-brain axis. Um, I took up yoga and, and meditation, really tried to reduce my stress. I did notice big differences in my IBS and my pain started to go. And that, like you've said, was very empowering. And it gives you motivation to, to carry on and to... Um, and it got me interested in the topic. And like I said, that led to my study. And I actually ended up doing my... Um, my master's dissertation on the role of the microbiome in inflammation in um in preterm infants and i think once you have this connection yourself that's really made a difference to your life and has empowered you you just want to go out and help others you want to know more about it you want to do more research um and that's what i did with my dissertation and i think that's having a personal connection really does um change the way you look at it yeah, I can see that. And I can see how passionate you both are. It's really, it's really a special thing to, to witness. And um, I really enjoyed hearing you talk about something simple, like focusing on your meal, chewing it, enjoying it, eating it slowly. And the same can be said, you know, if you're with friends or family, sharing that, that beautiful meal together in a mindful way is just a lovely thing to do. And it can also benefit the health of your gut. So that's a lovely win-win. Um, right, I think we're going to draw things to a close, but it's been an absolute joy. Is there any final tips or anything that you feel that you'd want to share with our listeners for them to go away with um, and um, to hopefully benefit their, their gut health? Eve, have you got any final thoughts? I would like to leave the listeners on this. Give yourself permission to slow down. And I mean that on every level. I mean, it's exactly what Isabel just said. Take time over your meals, slow down, chew your food. Um, alleviate your stress, try not to get caught up on the details 
um, when it comes to gut health and just, yeah, just give yourself that permission to slow down. Well, thank you. And Isabel? I would just say to think of it, it, when you're looking at your gut health, it's the overall picture. If you have if you have a day where you're not eating great, you're stressed, something's gone wrong, it's not the end of the world. Don't beat yourself up about it. It's about the pattern and um, it's about all the small things adding up cumulatively. It's not if you make if you go if it's one meal which you think wasn't great, don't beat yourself up. It's it's the overall picture. And like we said, the top easy tips would be eat the rainbow, eat as much fibre as you can, diversity, and then also just look at. Um, your overall lifestyle, so your stress, your sleep, and your and your health and your happiness. Fabulous. Thank you so much, ladies. I really enjoyed that conversation. I'm sure our listeners will get an awful lot out of it. So I really do appreciate you taking the time to be with me here today. So thank you, Isabel, and thank you, Eve. For more health and wellness advice, visit the health hub at hollandandbarrett.com. All views are those of our guests and not Holland and Barrett unless explicitly stated otherwise. Any reference to brands and or products should not be considered as an endorsement.